Clinical, we are proud to be global growth partners in life sciences. To find out how we can help you grow in your leadership career, visit proclinical.com slash leadership. Hi, everybody. My name is Naima Morris, and I'm an Associate Director for Precision Medicine at ProClinica. This interview series is focused on gaining insight and advice from life science leaders on their experience and journey into executive leadership. I'm very excited to interview Helen Cow today, who has a very steep career at various companies such as Kaijin, BD, and now Indical Bioscience as Chief Operating Officer and Head of Innovation. Let's get into it. Whether you want to communicate or not, everything you do or say is seen through a certain lens that you represent management, you represent the company. So I think I've become more purposeful about how to use some of the signaling communication for culture building. What I didn't expect but found to be true is there's intrinsic reward in seeing people grow. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me regarding your career into the C-suite. Shall we get started? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. <laughs> Excellent. Right. Then my first question for you is, you speak four languages fluently, been selected as top 40 under 40 in management, have been keeping yourself busy with continuously educating yourself, working with charities and have quite an impressive career and are also a mom of two. My question is really simple. How did you do all of it and what's your secret? <laughs> secret sauce. <laughs> Good question. I I mean, I, I'm not sure there's such thing as a you know, secret. If there is such a secret, I'd like to know myself. I think there's probably a combination of things that play a role. One is I reckon I'm quite a curious person. And I am interested in different things. I like to explore different things. And I, my mind doesn't like to be idle. So I like to be occupied and I, I find different things to be occupied with. That's something that I've noticed, you know, a long time ago. And secondly, I, I like to do things well. I don't like to do a little bit. I think everything I do, I try, you know, I, I'm interested in doing well. So I think this combination of the breadth and, and depth has certainly led to to a lot of what I did and, and things I embarked on. And then there's also some circumstance, context, right? I um, came to Germany from China. I'm born in China to Chinese immigrant parents who then moved to Germany. My father is an academic and came to Germany at a time when the country was quite close. So I have like two mother tongue because I live 11 years in China and then I moved to Germany where I went to, um, went to school and basically grew up. And then I lived and studied, um, you know, many years in the U.S. Uh, and also in France. So some of those language skills I also picked up along the way as well. Excellent. Thank you so much. Um, so my next question is, how did you make the jump from a management role into C-suite? And what skills did you have to learn to get where you are now? Yeah, so so I moved to a C-suite role like about uh, one and a half years ago. 
and before that, I've been in life science, um, you know, since since more than a decade. And before that, I was a head of function, head of a European management team for a large corporate uh, back in Dickinson. Like uh, it's a one billion dollar business uh, within a twenty billion dollar, like a seventy five thousand person, you know, blue chip company. And then I moved to a smaller company, which is a spin off from Kyogen. Uh, in the diagnostics uh, field, and there I'm a C-level, as you say, I'm COO and also head of innovation. I would say what is different, so, I mean, I've been leading teams for like many years, 10 years um, now, and I think one difference before in a large corporate, I, you go, you know, you have one function or had product management, innovation, marketing for a very large business. And when I went to the C-suite role in a PE, private equity base, a smaller company, I have as a CEO, a very broad role. So I have all the product base, innovation, marketing, but I'm also responsible for production side and quality so um, and regulatory affairs. So I think I, you see much more the interconnectedness of things, which I would say is probably also true as part of a C-suite. It's not enough to just know your function very, very well, but you need to see the bigger picture and how the different pieces come together. I think that's definitely a thing that is new and exciting. And the second is, is communication. I think as a C-suite, and many people will say that people, the team, they look at you. So communication, you know, whether you want to communicate or not, everything you do or say is seen through a certain lens that you represent management, you represent the company. So I think I've become more purposeful about how to use some of the signaling communication for culture building for things. And I still see sometimes people pick up something that it was not intentional, but then I realize it actually has an effect. So if that's the case, better, you know, better use that. Okay. And did you prepare anything beforehand, before you decided to go into the C-suite, that you knew that you would have to step up your game? Or did you take any courses or anything that that would make it easier in a way? Um, hmm. Not deliberate preparing in the sense because I also changed company. I think if the whole context is different, if I were in the same company, maybe it'd be easier to prepare. I think one thing I've heard again and again from others, um, you know, that I admire, other leaders leading large organizations, is this communication piece that when you move up the ladder, you know, before you may say something to your team and they know what you mean and it's fine. When you move up, more and more people see what you say and they may not um, know the content, they may not know you, but they'll interpret something into it. So I think communication needs to become more purposeful and it's also very powerful. You can send signals with what you do um, that you are not able to do before. I think this is something to be aware of and, and maybe prepare a bit as well. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you. Um, so obviously great leaders are always open to learn. Which leadership resources have you found mo- most useful and why? Yeah, so I will cite like this article that I've been using since I've become a manager, like more in 2012. So I've been using this for like 10 years. Um, it's uh, it's an article from Harvard Business School in 2010. It's called How Will You Measure Your Life? It's from uh, Clayton Christensen, the late uh, HBS Harvard Business School professor. And he is known primarily for innovators' dilemma. So he is really, you know, this is, 
sort of father of thought leader for that. But he also wrote an article based on a class he gave at the Harvard Business School. Then, how do you apply business principles to manage your life? Actually, and it's I can really recommend it. There's a book you can Google it. How will you measure your life? Uh, Head and um, Clayton Christensen, you will you will find it. And there, you know, there's one aspect he talks about which helped him find meaning. Is he said he founded a company before he became an academic, and he had a team. And he will imagine the morning he sees some of his employees how they would come to work and. You know, in one case, you'll go home and feel diminished, defeated, bored, underutilized, and how this will be for their spouse or their children. In another case, they'll go home feeling inspired, feeling they did something for the world, um, confident, and how that will also have a ripple effect on their children and their spouse. And therefore, he says management is, you know, if it's done well, and it's not easy to do well, it's a very noble, or he even said the most noble profession. And uh, that really inspired me. I read it when I first, very first time, I was very young. I was just turned, I think, turned 30 and I have the theme and I was thinking about what does this really mean? I have now these people, they, they look at me and they're like, you know, what do we do? And it helped me to understand um, the responsibility that there is, but also how much it's a tool to do something good to contribute um, to the world. Uh, for me, this is very important. I'm in life science because I feel it's a meaningful as well as an interesting industry, probably among the most interesting and purposeful. But I also realized the purpose or the it's not only through the products or the service you offer as, a, as an organization, which it definitely is, as a as a leader manager of people you can make an impact through things little things sometimes you do day in and day out that's amazing and, and that really um that really shaped me yeah fantastic thank you so much what process do you go through when you make significant decisions um so yeah so when i make it's a multi-step approach and sometimes it doesn't go through all steps but i'll tell you all three steps so one is i'm you know i'm quite analytical i'm a scientist background so i will write down what does it mean scenarios pros and cons then if it's a really a significant um, decision of longer impact i like to discuss and debate it with people that i know well be it mentors be it you know my trusted circle of friends and, and, and family. And while I debate it, I see their answers, I reflect on it, but also while talking to them, it sort of shapes my own thought as well. So I will do this type of ping pong um, for a bit. And I try to pick different people, right? That, that different um, viewpoints come across. And then in the end, it's, Sometimes narrow down to two things. I also use the uh, intuition, gut, gut feel for the final decision. Yeah. Great. Thanks. Um, that leads me to my next question. Why is vision important in leadership and how do you communicate it in your team? So vision, I mean, vision is very important for a couple of reasons. It, it unites people. Right, you have a bunch of people who are there together to do something, but day in day out, you know, I think it's very good to have something that unites people. It gives a sense of orientation, 
it's incredibly important for people to have that sense of orientation, even more so nowadays where everything changes so fast. It also, if it's a good vision, gives sense of purpose. Um, and interestingly, I thought about this reason, it focuses people because vision, for good vision is very clear. It is not many things, it's sort of one thing, you know, and, and this uniting, orienting, and, and focus and purpose is um, what is needed. And I don't know if you know Yuval Harari, this amazing historian. He wrote Sapiens, you know, bestseller. He basically looks at how human being developed from the early age and, and it's a history of mankind. And he has a TED talk and he talks about why is it a human being came to be so powerful from apes, you know, sitting somewhere in the woods to, to beings that really shape the world, um, you know, good or bad, but very powerful. And he says that actually one of the reason is some storytelling. Humans are able to use storytelling, which will lead to co cooperation of large group of people in very flexible ways. And animals don't do that. They either co cooperate in small group that they know each other, or they cooperate in a way like bees or ants that are preset. They cannot, you know, today do this way, tomorrow do that way. And he said it's because of storytelling that really made human being um, where we are. And I think that's why we are drawn to vision. Because vision is essentially a story, right? Essentially a story that, that leaders and, or jointly create and we all, you know, believe in at the best and, and move towards. And there is something inherent about human nature to want to have that. And I think that's why vision is so front and center um, in, in organizations, right? Uh, and then your second question about communicating the vision, I mean, it's clearly, it's important and uh, frequently, very really frequently and purposefully um, designing it, designing your communication is important. and. Obviously, if you believe in it, if you really believe in it, people get it. You are the ambassador. So um, that I think it's the case. But it's difficult. It's one of the, I think, most difficult things, especially if you have organizations that are very large or scaling very fast or both. Yeah. Right. Thank you. Um, what fears did you have to overcome in order to become successful in your role? Yeah. So, yeah, my current role, sea um, level role. So I think... In some way, I was confident coming to my role, but I would say what I needed to do because I was focused on a set of functions. I was always part of this product, you know, product development, product management, marketing innovation. I never had to be concerned about how these products are made. <laughs> they are made. Somehow they arrive. I work with colleagues who make sure they're made at high quality. We're regulated industry. I never have to sort of think about what it really entails other than, you know, visiting the manufacturing site from time to time. And now I'm actually responsible for three different, you know, we have three different production plants. And, um, and that's a new functional expertise that I had to learn and I learned. And I think I was very excited. It's one of the things I enjoyed the most to learn these new things. But I think my fear was that I don't know what I don't know. Right. If it's something completely new, if you don't know, you may miss something. I think that was um, that was a fear, if you will. 
But then, you know, I later realized we have a culture as a company. We encourage many of our teams to do things they've never done before to try things. And I thought, well, then I, as a leader, I can be open about that so that people see, well, everybody is doing new things. And ultimately, you know, we're, we're doing quite well in the production area. And um, by showing that openly embark on new areas is part of what leaders do, it then becomes part of company culture and it exemplifies this notion of continuous learning and also hopefully takes away some of the fear of, of others. Right. Thanks. What key advice would you give aspiring leaders then? Um, yeah, so I, I was thinking about this a bit. So I think, um, you know, imagine when I became the first time a leader, meaning managing people, um, that as I said, was 10 years ago. I think for me, I, I knew everybody was saying, you know, leadership is great responsibility. And it is, and it's very important. And it's a great career step, right? And, and it is. I think um, what I didn't expect, but found to be true, is there's intrinsic reward in seeing people grow. I totally didn't expect that. I haven't actually heard anyone from my manager mentioning this before. So I was surprised by it, but I actually is one of the things I enjoy the most. I think there are different people, different, you know, if you are somebody, first I think um, it's just good for people to know that being a leader brings tremendous reward, which goes beyond responsibility to a career step. It is an intrinsic reward because you are helping people grow, you set them in a specific context, you put them in the right place, you coach them. And it's um, it, just to know that that can be, you know, really rewarding. Um, it, it's, it's good to know. It's not, sometimes I feel leadership portrayed as something heavy, like a heavy burden, back where you have to wear. Uh, I think it is not only that, right? At tough times it can be that, but there's a tremendous joy as well to do. And I, um, I also love recruiting new people, for example, to bring people in and then to show them what they can do for the organization and therefore for themselves. Um, so that's for one advice. Second advice is um, when I first became a leader, I read a lot of things. I read books and I wrote the article. You know, I looked for resources. I looked for management theories and I did experiments on my team. Uh, I did tell them afterwards. I think that um, think about what type of leader you want to be. Make it a reflection. Make it something purposeful and do it. Um, yeah, I, I spent quite some time doing that. And I think that helped me. That helped to guide me and make a decision. You know, this is what I think is important. Um, and I think that is, um, yeah, I think that is, that is really good. And I think it is somewhat personal, right? It's another person may do it totally different than me. I think it's important to find your own uh, role there, style, yeah. Very insightful, thank you. Um, our last guest, Reinhard Kleiner, who is a side leader at Letos, has given me the following question for you. How do you stay confident in difficult times? Thank you, Reinhard. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think confident in difficult times, I was thinking... Um, I think first a couple of us, one is it's really important to get clarity because sometimes in difficult times, it can also be overwhelming times. And then it's sometimes a cloud, right? 
And I think it's really important to be clear what is really the situation and what it is not, and what is really the question at hand. If you're trying to solve some, what is the question instead of an overarching, what should we do, which is not a good question. Is, you know, you know, should we invest in this field or not? It's a much better question to really be clear about that. Um, that's one. And once that is clear, I would say, you know, often there are scenarios, there's ways to do that. If I still feel, you know, overwhelmed where to go, there's two pieces that I I I, um, I do. One is just this famous one step after the other. If you clear what it needs to be done, but there's always uncertainty in the world, you know the direction, you know, things, if you go into the right direction, things will take shape um, one step after the other. It will unfold, even though you don't know yet. And the second is, I again, I like to exchange thoughts with others, either from you know others in the same industry, because if there's something macroeconomic, it doesn't only affect your company, it actually affects others. And sometimes you don't know if it's something affecting only your company or others, and the solution will be a different one. Um, and I like to actually exchange with others um, about the same thing, obviously not not disclosing what needs not be, but just to see if are they selling sort of the same things. And then it's also good to talk to people from other industries or, or other fields or some people who just have, you know, different, more experience so that they can, they can tell you, they can put things into perspective. I think that's, um, you know, other people have gone through other difficult times or even more difficult times, right? They are quite good to have that exchange. Yeah. So right. that's um, that's um, what I, at least what I try to do. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for doing the interview with me, and uh, really seriously appreciate it. Um, sure. And that leads me to my very last question. Um, as part of our series, we will be interviewing other inspiring leaders in the life science industry. What would be your questions to them? Yeah, very good. I get one. I get to ask one as well. Very good. What I'm actually interested in is, um, you know, I, I said there's probably two questions and, and you're welcome to choose. One is what is like one important breakthrough within the life science industry? you know, you're excited about? I think that would be a good question that I'm interested in as a, as a listener. Second one is, you know, what other industries do you think life science can learn from? I, I would, I'm very interested in that. And I, uh, I have some answers, but I think there's must be many more answers since, you know, I'm quite committed to this industry. Um, but, but what are some other yeah, industries that life science can learn from? And, and conversely, which industries can learn from life science, for example? Um, that, you know, would be also in interesting to know. Great questions. You can choose. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, I give them all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I will. Yeah, I'd be very interested to see what, uh, what the next person has to say about them. For listening. At ProClinical, we are proud to be global growth partners in life sciences. To find out how we can help you grow in your leadership career, visit proclinical.com/leadership.